needed. Well, this is the last Sunday of what we call Missions Month around here. And it's been a good month, hasn't it? Having heard from our missionary partners, uh, we met the Hendricks family, and they are going to England. And then we also heard from uh, Kyle Sheridan last week, who is going to Patagonia, the southern part of Chile, and uh, Lord willing, we'll vote to take him on for support tonight. And uh, we are hopefully tonight going to hear from and hear a report and update uh, from Roger and Marcy Smith, who are longtime missionaries uh, to Brazil. They're retiring from the field after uh, four decades of ministry. Well done. And we want to celebrate and support them. And I want to say, church family, so many of you signed up to do those gift cards uh, these last few weeks uh, to send to them as uh, just a way to thank them for their years of service. And I want to thank you for being a blessing to them. And we're going to send those off to them this week. And I'm, I know they'll be grateful for that. Um, this morning, <clears throat> we're going to do something a little bit different than we normally uh, have been doing. Really, in a lot of ways, the last month and really the last two months, we've been answering the question, why? Why should you give to the church? And why should you think about giving specifically to the purpose of global missions? And honestly, we've been reminded of that in so many different ways but this morning, what I want us to do, I want us to take a slightly different approach. And really, the message is very different than my normal style of preaching. I tend to stay in one passage. But I want to do this to really um, hopefully encourage, give you some kind of uh, reminders that will help keep you faithful in the area of giving. Because here's the reality. People who know the why of giving may drop an offering in the plate once for missions or even general offerings. But those of us who buy into how we can stay faithful to giving and trust what the word of God says about how we can be faithful in that, it will keep us faithful in giving, not just one week of the year, but every single week of the year. Now today, as I've mentioned, it is the culmination of missions month. And so uh, all throughout the day, I'm asking you, if you're a part of our church family and plan to participate in giving to the missions fund, you should have received one of these pledge cards in your bulletin. And I'm asking those of you who plan to give to missions in the next year, obviously, we're not asking you to give money you don't have, okay? But to fill out what you and your family plan to give on this card, it's obviously anonymous, you can tear off the bottom piece. We just want the bottom. And then you have this card as a reminder to you of what you committed. And coincidentally enough, it has the outline for this morning's sermon on it. And hopefully as you see those four points, it will encourage you to stay faithful giving, not just to missions, 
But really, as we focused in January on the idea of giving to the local church, these four points are just as uh, equally important when it comes to giving to your own local church, okay? And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to give you four mindsets for successful giving. Four mindsets for successful giving, okay? Here's the first one. True generosity will hurt, and that's okay. True generosity will hurt, and that is okay. Now, when you think about the most famous giver in the New Testament, what name comes to mind? Well, it might be Barnabas, because in Acts 5, he gave everything that he made off of selling a piece of property. Now, I don't know how much that was, but if you think about how much property costs these days, you're talking tens of thousands of dollars if it's just residential property. If it's commercial property, it's often worth much, much more than that. This is a guy, Barnabas, who gave a bunch of money. Maybe you'd say it's not Barnabas. If you're a real Bible trivia person, you might say it's Epaphroditus. Some of you are just now realizing Epaphroditus is actually a guy in the Bible. But he is a guy in the Bible, I promise. He's mentioned in the book of Philippians. He's the guy who delivered Paul's offering to him from the church at Philippi. But those two guys aren't the most famous givers in the Bible. I would say that the most famous giver in the New Testament is a widow woman. A woman who's not known for giving a bunch of money, but who's known for giving all that she had, which wasn't very much. Mark 12 tells the story. He says this in Mark 12, verses 41 through 44, that Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money in the treasury. And many that were rich, notice this, cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Now, this is an interesting observation. She didn't win the giving competition because she gave a bunch of money. No, Jesus reveals here that he doesn't measure her giving by how much she gave. Jesus measured her giving by how much she kept. The widow's giving was the most significant because it cost her the most. There's no more costly of a gift than someone giving up all that they have. Now, I'm not saying you have to give up all that you have to give to God. 
But I'm saying this, that giving is most beneficial to your soul when it begins to hurt your pocketbook. Giving is most beneficial to your soul when it begins to hurt your pocketbook. Isn't that what Jesus said? He said, for where your treasure is, help me out, church, there will your heart be also. See, a treasure, in Jesus' words, is not just any financial investment. It was something valuable, right? Something we place value on. There's a lot of things we spend money on that we don't value that much, right? We all have them, okay? I've been trying to fight for a long time to get rid of a certain TV subscription we pay money for. It's, it's not a big expense. It's a little expense. You know, a bunch of kids in my house watch the TV subscription. I don't. But I'll tell you what, where my money goes to most is our house payment. I care a little bit more about that, don't I? Care a little bit more about that. See, the truth is when giving causes you pain, it, it forces you to evaluate your true values. And that's why giving is good for us, church. Because it forces us to evaluate what we value the most. Jesus really is saying this, you can't say, you can't say that something is something you value if you don't invest your treasure there as well. So Christian givers may, may often worry that they can't afford biblical giving, but I'm gonna guess, I'm gonna submit to you this, that you and I could afford biblical giving a little bit more than the widow woman could. And she's an example to us that we shouldn't be afraid of giving in ways that are painful, that cost us something personally, that cause us to give up one thing so we can invest in another. I love what Paul says to the poor believers who gave. When he writes in 2 Corinthians 8, he says, these Macedonians gave out of their extreme poverty. And they gave beyond their ability. Church, let me remind you that giving isn't sacrificial unless it's actually a sacrifice. A lot of us, we want to put giving in a category where it's not hard to give because it's a smaller amount based on what we make. But the Bible tells us that giving will hurt and that's okay. I love what uh, R. Ken Hughes said. He said, grace giving goes beyond a tithe, but rather it gives until it hurts. I read that quote when I was a junior in high school and it changed the way I thought about giving because I realized that it's easy for me to check a box when it comes to biblical generosity if I just, you know, measure it by percentage or measure it by this or measure it by that. But when I realize that God is calling me to give up something for the sake of biblical generosity, and sometimes that will hurt, but that's okay. You know, a lot of churches, most churches have a way of participating in missions. This is not the only way on planet Earth to fund missions, right? Um, our Southern Baptist friends, they do big one-time offerings at Christmas and Easter. It's a good way to do it. 
But there's a reason I like this particular method, though I don't think it's the only good way to do it. I like giving regularly because what it does is it sets you and I up for a weekly or monthly battle that we can win where we say to our flesh, no, I value the cause of Christ more than what I could be spending this money on. Every week, every month, when you write that check for that commitment, you're making the statement, no, I actually value people getting saved around the world more than what I could pay for with this same amount of money. True generosity will hurt, and that's okay. Here's number two. You aren't giving away your money anyway. You aren't giving away your own money anyway. Acts 17, 28 reminds us, Paul said it in this verse, that in him we live and move and have our being. Meaning, without God, we would not live, we would not move, and we would not exist. How many of you agree with that? Without God, you would not live, you would not move, and you would not exist. Well, that's about the core of being, isn't it? And if that's true, without God, you wouldn't have a penny to your name. You wouldn't have a job. You wouldn't have a skill set. You wouldn't have Social Security without God. Turns out they don't pay out Social Security for dead people, right? See, God is the source of everything that we have. Every breath we have comes from God. Every beat of our heart comes from God. Every rain that lands on your crops comes from God's goodness. God owns it all. Haggai 2.8 says this, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. 1 Corinthians 10.26 says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Job 41.11 says, everything under heaven belongs to me. Now at first that might seem a little bit odd for someone to say that because after all, you know this, if you don't show up to work tomorrow, no worky, no money, right? No hours, no paycheck. If you've ever been between jobs, you find that one out pretty quick. If you don't work, you don't eat, you don't get money. So may, we may put too much confidence in our contribution to the pie, but the Bible always calls us as Christians to lift our eyes up and recognize that everything we have comes from the Lord. Everything we have comes from him. And when we recognize that, it's a lot easier to give when you realize that the money you're giving was given to you by God. That really, you're not an owner of your own assets. You are a manager of assets God has given to you. God wants us to use and enjoy the things he's allowed us to have. I've preached on that a few weeks ago. But as managers, 
we have to keep in mind that that's not the only purpose for which he gave us our assets. That there comes responsibility that comes attached to our riches. And so the question, as hard as it is to ask, is not how much of my money should I give to God? It's how much of God's money should I keep for myself? See, when we put a check or a cash in the offering plate, we give it with the belief that, we, that all that we have belongs to God and with the commitment that we will use all of our money in a way that will honor the God who gave it to us. Here's the second principle, or third principle. Somebody, somebody is counting on you. Somebody is counting on you. You know, even the Bible, there was a face behind the need when they gave to missions. Paul in Philippians 4, talking about missions offerings sent by the Philippian church, he said, you sent once and again to my necessity. Now, you've heard me call these missions pledges, or we've called them faith promise at times. And in a sense, it's a pledge because you're, you're writing down on here what you're going to give weekly or monthly. Those of you who plan to do this, it's not a pledge in the sense you don't write your name on it and I, no one knows what you're pledging and no one's going to knock on your door if you don't give. That's not how it works. So it could be easy, couldn't it? Well, no one's keeping track of what I'm giving, so I'll just ease off this month, right? But we need to recognize that behind every gift that you give, there are real faces and real names and real families that have needs. And your contribution to missions or to the church itself will be missed if you don't participate um, here, here's how I'd put it. When you think about missions giving, don't think of it in terms of finances, but in terms of faces. And you know, one thing I love is that our church directly supports a, a smaller portfolio of missionaries. And I don't mind that at all. I, I want us to just invest more heavily in a smaller portfolio than have 100 people we don't know about. And so most of these faces are pretty familiar to a lot of you, especially if you come on Sunday nights where we often read the letters for these missionaries. Uh, but I want to introduce a few of them. They're in your missions booklets that we've given out throughout the month. But these are the people, some of the people, I'm not going to go through all 12 of them, that are supported to be full-time on their missions field by your dollars. Dallas Brown. For one, he's in Burkina Faso, in a, literally in a small village in Africa, ministering to Muslim people. But he also has small children who grow like weeds and need new clothes, like some of you deal with your kids, right? We support Abdu Isa, who ministers in refugee camps in Lebanon. 
and also ministers in a Muslim-majority area. And Abdu Isa obviously needs to pay for his expenses to do all of that ministry, but he's got a plan for retirement, right? You all have to do that. He has other expenses. He has health expenses. And so that's one of the other faces that is behind the support. There's Dalton Walker. How many of y'all noticed that prices have gone up a little bit, cost of living the last two, three years? You think cost of living's gone up in Southwest Kansas? Try living in New Zealand where you're on an island. It's crazy. Their building rent doubled this last year where they meet with their church. And let me tell you, rent in New Zealand is not cheap. Or think of Dan Smith who lives in Portugal. Ministers in a congregation, by the way, with I think 15 different nationalities. But he also has two, two daughters. He's trying to get through college. Friends, somebody, when it comes to missions giving, somebody is counting on you. And it's our privilege to support these families who are doing a good work, aren't they? They are doing a good work and their work is funded by the generosity of people like you and churches like ours all around the country. But maybe, maybe, the way God wants to provide through you is not a good enough motivation. I want to spend just a few moments before we're done this morning. I want to remind you of how God will bless you for your generosity. Here's the fourth principle. God will always bless generosity. God will always bless generosity. You know why God, one of the reasons God asks us to give, it's because he knows that he will take care of your needs and bless you in response. I love 2 Corinthians 9. You'll see it on the screen. Notice the direct correlation. This I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. If you all are farming, you understand that. You only put a little bit of seed in the ground. How much crop are you going to get? A little bit. All right. I'm going to make you participate on this one. You put a lot of seed in the ground. How much crop are you going to get? A lot right? Well, Paul's not talking about farming. He says, every man as he purposeth in his heart, so let him what? Give. Now listen, it ain't about the amount solely. He says, don't be given with a chip on your shoulder, right? I've not always lived up to this command in my Christian life. Let him give, not grudgingly, or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God, I love this verse, he is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. You know what Paul's saying there? He's saying if you give a little, God will bless it a little. If you sacrifice a lot, God will bless it a lot. And he says, listen, again, this is all within the realm of 
you know, not being crazy. He says, God will make you have sufficiency in all things. God will take care of you. Because here's the reality. When we give, the number one fear, right, is will I have enough? Are you with me on that? That's a scary command. I think it's one of the biggest steps of faith most Christians will take because, frankly, it's, I, don't, I don't think any of us are you know, sitting around thinking, oh, I wish I had more ways to spend my money. I just have too much money, right? When we give, there's a need that's created. When we give, we are allocating money to God, to his church, to missions, that could easily be spent on a lot of other things that aren't necessarily trivial. We all have things on our list that, man, if we got a thousand bucks today, they would probably not be trivial things that we would need to spend that money on, right? And here's the promise for that type of concern. God will make sure you are sufficiently taken care of in all things. He will make sure of it. And friends, I've not given a long time, you know, since high school, I guess. But I can tell you from my own experience that God has taken care of our family so, so well. Even when we've given in ways that seemed radical, God takes care of people who give I love what Jesus said in Luke 6, 38. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet, it will be measured unto you again. Now I'm not saying that God will enrich you, but God will absolutely bless and sustain you. And I think that your commitment to giving rises and falls on your belief in this principle. It rises and falls on your belief that God will bless generosity. That's called faith. It's called faith. And here's what I can tell you. There is normally a delay between a step of obedience in giving and seeing God's blessing of that obedience. There's normally a delay. There's a gap, a testing period, if you will, where you start to wonder, like I have, if you've made a mistake, if you've overcommitted, if you've done a little bit too much. But here's what I can assure you this morning. God blesses those who persist in generous giving. Don't give up. God will make you abound and be sufficient in all things. God takes care of those who persist in generosity. You know, I know that What was the most generous, sacrificial gift ever given? Christ giving his entire life 
on the cross. Can't give more than that. Hanging, bleeding, dying. He spent all that could be spent. He gave his life. He was real dead, like dead, dead. Three days dead. You want to know how true God is when he says that he will make sure that you have what you need when you give up what you have? What did Jesus give? His life. Three days later, what did Jesus have? His life. My friends, sacrificial givers don't give up anything. They just let God borrow it for a time. You want to believe that God doesn't leave givers broke? Look at the cross. Look at the resurrection. Here's a man who gave a bigger gift than anyone's ever given, and God saw to it that he got it back again. And you may not believe me, but about a year ago, <clears throat> I asked one of our dear brothers who worships with us to give me his testimony of <clears throat> how he's seen God be faithful to him through giving. And I want to read his testimony to you, and then we'll be, we'll be done this morning. He said this, we have been blessed above what we deserve by being faithful to giving. We were faced many times with the choice to tithe or pay rent or a utility bill, and we chose to trust God and tithe. God always blessed us with an unexpected check, job bonus, or even an odd job to cover our bills. My wife and I have given faithfully throughout our marriage. We tithed off our gross income, given emissions, and even given above and beyond to others. The first years of our marriage, we did not have much and lived paycheck to paycheck. It seemed whenever we saved a little bit up, something would come up that we needed the money for. How many of y'all can testify to that? My soul. Yet we always tithed, gave to missions, and gave to others when God laid it on our hearts. Early on, we weren't able to give much to missions because we honestly didn't have it to give, and yet we gave what we could, and as God blessed over the years, we tried to increase what we gave to missions. God always provided. We always had what we needed, and our family never went hungry. We have been blessed financially by God, whether it was getting the right job or when we were looking for a house to buy and did not know how we could possibly afford it, yet the perfect house seemed to land in our laps at a much cheaper price than we could have possibly expected. I love what he says here. Now, God doesn't always bless financially. He often blesses spiritually. Can't tell you the number of times we've given anonymously, only to hear later on how this person was blessed or how they didn't know they were going to be able to pay a bill or put food on the table we didn't know it at the time, but God laid it on our hearts that we should try and help that person. But ultimately, I can tell you without hesitation, he says, that if you give 
and give with the right heart, not expecting anything in return, God will bless you for it. Do you agree with that? Four mindsets that will lead to successful long-term giving. Listen, generosity hurts. It don't always feel good. But you know what? That's okay. Didn't feel good for the widow woman either. But she was the blessed one in the end. Number two, you're not giving away your money anyway. It's God's money and it's on loan to you. Number three, somebody is counting on you. Every gift matters for the kingdom. And number four, God will always bless generosity. He'll always bless it. God will always bless it. He does not lie. He takes care of his people. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I, I want to just give ourselves a moment